This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly episode 120, Mantis Fan Service. I like it. I like it. Good title. And no, no, audience, I am not talking about the kind of fan service that you might find on Moshi Sasako's artwork. Oh, no. Because I have been reprimanded that, in fact, not all of the uh, the ivory legal Moshi are depicted wearing nothing but halter tops and loincloths. Just the one. But I stand by the notion that it's nice to see a more traditional Moshi in Aftermath. But I am Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Fred Wan, the Legend of the Five Rings continuity editor. Hey, Fred. Hi. And uh, we are here for another L5R setting episode of Strange Assembly. Uh, if you want to hear more Strange Assembly, you can visit us at strangeassembly.com, download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, or hit us up at facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. Uh, due to uh, listener requests, the topic that Fred and I are going to cover today is, uh, I guess, Mantis generally, and maybe a little bit more of a focus on how the Mantis became a great clan, and the perception of the Mantis, either among players or, among players maybe, but I think more so in the the story. So... I would say, as everybody knows, but probably not, so that's why we're we're going over it, right? The Mantis were not a great clan at the beginning of the game, and we won't go into how the Mantis got to where they were at the beginning of the Clan Wars. But at the beginning of the Clan Wars, the Mantis were a minor clan. Yoritomo put together an alliance of minor clans. And then when you got to the second day of Thunder, Yoritomo had a reasonably sized army and essentially told... Tori and Kasada that if they didn't agree to make the Mantis a great clan, that he was going to. Do you know what I'm blanking, Fred? Did he did he just say that they were taking their ball and going home, or were they actively going to fight against the clans? I'll fill it in because actually some of some of the background details are relevant. Okay. So okay, during the clan war, the Crane need extra troops. They hire the Mantis to serve as extra troops. And the Mantis agree. And that funding gives the Mantis enough resources to really gestate their, their alliance into something bigger than just a bunch of minor clans getting together. I, I'm raising that because it becomes relevant post-clan war in terms of how some clans, including the Crane, see the Mantis. Uh, on the Day of Thunder, Yuritomo says, you know, now that Fulang's military forces have been defeated, uh, you have to deal with our clan. You will either recognize us uh, as your equals, or we will attack you and you will destroy us. 
but essentially he's implicitly saying that we feel strongly enough about this that we're going to force your hand. So Yakumo and Tochuri, who are definitely there, and maybe other characters as well, though they're not listed exhaustively, uh, Yakumo laughs and says, I like this guy's spirit. I like this man. Because it's the sort of thing that, you know, Yakumo would approve of. It's a very gutsy, in-your-face, you know, screw tradition sort of thing. Although Yakumo was never quite as much of a counter-traditionalist as people might think. But in any case, based on largely favorable response from the movers and shakers on that day, the Thunders collectively sort of recognize, nope, you, through valor and merit, we will recognize you when the Day of Thunder is finished. Obviously, since there's no emperor until afterwards, they, they can't do it right then and there, but there's a fairly clear agreement in principle that Yoritomo's demand, and it's very much a demand, will be granted. Well, I, I think that there's one factual detail in there, which I, I think... I don't know how much it matters today, but uh, would have mattered at the time as far as perception goes, is that you, I think you said that Yoritomo made his demand after Fu Lang's military forces had been defeated, and I don't Before think the that... Before the Thunders went to face uh, Fu Lang. They, weren't, they hadn't even taken into Odyssey and Uchi yet. I mean, I think it was before, really, the military stuff had begun that day. The, they hadn't taken Odyssey and Uchi or... There's certainly reference in the uh, Storyback Stronghold cards to that conversation. Those on the For Time of the Void, there were reprintings of the original clan strongholds with story on the back. Yes. And that's where I'm getting most of my recollection from and my details from. And it does say there was a, a significant victory before uh, Yoritomo makes this demand. You might be right that they hadn't taken the capital yet, like, the only thing I'm absolutely sure of is, you know, the day the actual battle with Fluang has not happened yet, and there's enough of a quiet moment that they can, you know, catch their breath and essentially negotiate over the fate of Lanantos. But Yuritomo was quite clear, uh, as I recall, that it's a, it's kind of a threat, although it's, it's a threat on its face, even though he knows his military forces are not sufficient to threaten the rest of the Empire. And that, Whoever gets to make decisions at that point in time, uh, with, then there's the implication that Tochuri is involved and that Yakumo definitely, he's the one who voices his response and is, is one of approval. They say, yeah, we'll, we'll go with this. But the context is definitely Yoritomo is prepared to make a, a fight of it. No, no, yeah, that's the, the back of the, the Yoritomo Alliance stronghold says, the army of the Son of Storms returned to Odyssey Uchi from its victory against Yoga Junzo's reinforcements to find Junzo's armies routed and crushed by the armies of the Thunders. Yeah, there had been a significant military victory, but maybe that's before they went into Odyssey Uchi, because, uh, yeah, I I had Time of the Void sitting out here in front of yeah. me, and that made it sound like it was before the RPG supplement. Okay, I don't know. Anyhow, so that was a little, there was a little deviation. Yeah, those precise timing issues can be relevant, but I think for this particular issue, they, they don't matter that much. So that's how the Mantis get recognized as a great clan, right? Post-Day of Thunder, uh, Tochuri, once he becomes emperor, uh, recognizes and elevates them. Within the setting, no one is going to 
it's unlikely that, given the current state of political affairs, that anyone would seriously try to make the claim the Mantis are not a great clan. They've been recognized. There have been battles over the issue. At this stage, no one is likely to officially take the official stance that they do not legally possess the rights and powers of a great clan, or even the military and economic might of a great clan. That being said, certain clans and certain individuals within any clan uh, don't necessarily like the Mantis because of how they carry themselves. The Mantis are one of the least deferential clans in the Empire. They very much are materialistic in a way that some clans find distasteful. And the Mantis feel very... To a lot of clans, the Mantis feel kind of crude and, like, peasants made good. And it's not a legitimate legal position to take within the Empire. And really, it's just this kind of, you know, petty contempt that any member of any clan can have for any member of any other clan. It's just the Mantis way of carrying yourself is very in-your-face. So if you don't like them, and they're very in-your-face, you're kind of dealing with it all the time, which is, you know, just makes it worse, right? Just like in real life when you're dealing with someone who you find distasteful, and their general personal style is to be directly in front of you, violating your personal space sort of thing. So it's live, right? Are the Mantis... So you'll often have characters like Crane, for example, say, well, the Mantis are rich, but they lack class. Nouveau riche. <laughs> and, and, very, and very much so. Like, that, that's how they see it. Now, whether that's legitimate or not, separate point, right? But a lot of the more classist characters or class-based characters or refined characters do see the Mantis generally, and there are exceptions. The stereotype of the Mantis is they're kind of crude, they're kind of... You know, a lot of characters probably, and this is not canon so much as me reading between the lines and kind of trying to make the setting a little more vivid, a lot of characters probably deep down think the Mantis feel a little bit insecure about their position, which is why they're always showing off the trappings of being a great clan. Which is much more psychoanalytical than any character in the setting would likely be. Um, But to a certain extent, you know, the, the Mantis don't for instance, have that same emphasis on culture as Crane or Phoenix or Lion, even. And they're much more about, well, you know, what's our koku production? Which traditionally is not something a samurai should be publicly concerning him or herself with. But the legal status of the Mantis at this point is not really in question. The, the real issue is respect, right? And every character in the setting wants more respect. Except for maybe some monks because, you know, they, they are concerned with different things. And because the Mantis are a relatively recent addition, there is a certain amount of my ancestor fought 400 years ago in X battle. You know, I'm from this lineage that is proven in service, proven in conduct. It's a noble historical tradition. And I can draw strength and meaning from the deeds of my ancestors. Your family goes, what, four generations of noteworthiness? You are lesser to me. It is how a lot of characters see it, right? And that will be fixed in time. But until then, you know, Mantis is less able to say, my ancestor was that white stag. 
my ancestor was that white stag busily failing to stop the empress from getting killed by some guy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 so there, there is that. The, the, the Mantis as a whole, as a clan, too, is a little bit less concerned with being liked than some. Because, you know, they're like, well, you, just, you have to deal with us anyways, one way or the other, so do I care if you like me? Not really, unless it hurts our ability to do business. That's generally an issue with the Mantis, right? The Moshi are, to some extent, uh, more resistant to that, because the Moshi, while they haven't been a great clan, their work and deeds have a long legacy behind them. They suffer a little bit from the fact that the Lady Sun is no longer Lady Sun, and so even though they've adapted well, they don't have that legacy of serving in the same capacity they currently do. But the real issue is very much Mantis's own positioning in politics combined with a lack of historical legacy. So, is it true to some extent that they receive less respect? Yes. But it's less because of their legal status and more because of their social role. It is worth noting, though, that a lot of times when another clan is socially having it out with the Mantis, someone will say, well, all you are are mercenaries made good, as a way to get kind of cheap debate points because generally a lot of Mantis characters are very sensitive to that allegation. And when you're trying to debate someone in a very you know, subtle, nuance-based environment, if you make someone respond purely emotionally, it's advantageous. And courtiers are good at trying to create advantage. So you will tend to see, you know, particularly from Cranes, because certain Crane characters actually believe this too, that really, you'd be nothing without Crane Gold. Or Crane Koku. And the Mantis would say, are you implying that you did not receive proper services for the pay you gave us? Because then that's a matter of kind of professional service. And if that's the case, then the Mantis would say, are you implying, we, essentially, are you implying we breached our contract? There you go. Right. Obviously, too, the Crane and Mantis and the Phoenix and Mantis on separate occasions have had military conflict, which does not help. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I think that covers the... Except for one aspect, I think that covers the, the specific questions that were asked, but there are a couple of things that I, I think it's in fairness to the Mantis we should go into, and maybe... Sure. Maybe if there's a feeling that the Mantis are negatively viewed upon, I've contributed to that. Because I know that uh, over the course of the... God, I don't know, how, how many years have I been doing this thing now? I know I've taken a number of, of Mantis word shots that I don't think really have anything to do with this aspect of the Mantis. And, and some of it's just role in the story sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But let me say those out so that you can have the opportunity to... You know, stand up for the the man or anything. I, and b- before I start that, I guess I should say that I I absolutely adored Yoritomo's alliance. I thought Yoritomo's alliance was great. I'm not as hot on the, the Mantis once they come back in gold. I to some extent I think that they drift a little bit. They kind of that the story of the Mantis 
and their entire conception as an organization was really just the story of Yoritomo, and that once that story happens with the clan war, it's it's much more of a a do over of what are we going to do with the this organization than the than many of the other clans are. Although some would say the same thing about the dragon once Tagashi dies, but but I guess one of the things I think in the, the long scope of things is that the the mantis seem to have sometimes an unreasonable level of success, and then you see similar story things coming up that I just do not find exciting. And, and I think a lot of that came up when I I remember when I was writing the review of, or I was reading Imperial Histories, and I was writing a review of it, and then I wrote a little uh, okay. you know article where a number of the thoughts were in. It's like I'm reading that, and every single time. It's always, if there's a historical thing, it's always, Mantis do something audacious and then benefit from it. You know, if it's, you know, Gasai going and I'm going to pull a sword on the Emperor and this ends up benefiting my clan. Or, or what you're talking about with the money, I'm not really sure how it is that the Mantis got from the position of a minor clan, even a collection of minor clans, which are supposed to be on this just completely different order of magnitude as compared to a great clan. And and yet the Mantis have gone from what should have been a little bitty minor clan, regardless of how much trading it did, to seeming to be portrayed recently as having overtaken the Unicorn and the Crane as the you know, biggest monetary power. When you read through Imperial Histories, and in, hist- in, in whether it's an old history or whether or not it's an, an alternate history or an alternate future, the Mantis story always seems to be something like, and then the Mantis deployed their fe- fleets and and sat safe and secure and prospering mightily in their their home, or maybe they sat safe and secure and prospered mightily in their home, and they took over another country. And it seems like as time goes on, the sort of over the topness of the Mantis naval forces just gets worse and. To me, it's it's like okay, what we've already got of that is too much because you you're already at a point where you cannot tell a story about the mantis having a naval war or or being attacked or or anything like that because you've you've put this baseline where the mantis navy is supposed to be better than everybody else has put together. And then they go to the Ivory Kingdoms and they have yet another navy and even better ships and that's an interesting issue, yeah. Um, I don't know. So those are that's my that was a little less coherent than I was hoping. But respond to whatever of that you want to. <laughs> I think you made your point. Well, let's start with Mantis kind of positioning. The Mantis, in a weird way, like the Mantis are are analogous to kind of stereotypical '80s era. America, in terms of popular portrayal, right? Like, there's this giant economic power, they've never been invaded, they're very difficult to invade because their navy is the dope. And I think that has limited us a little bit in what we can do. I think if and or when, because, you know, anything can happen eventually, we just, if that we decide to have the Mantis beaten in, like, protracted naval engagements, will be a big issue for the players. Uh, particularly the Mantis players, because 
there for every clan, there's certain things that players gravitate towards the clan for, and the players like will feel is so much an integral part of the clan that getting rid of it or undercutting it is being untrue to the clan. And Mantis at sea may very well be at that point, which means if we ever you know deal with it in a contrary way, it has to be done right. I haven't kept up as much with the work on the RPG. Uh, certainly, a lot of alternate histories or alternate presents are things that whichever writer involved happens to like. You know, particularly for creating new alternate Rokugan settings, it's, it's very much whoever happens to be holding the pen, what interests them creatively. And there could just be something about, you know, the one clan going out and exploring and conquering being near and dear to one or more members of the team's heart. And, and the RPG team includes members of the story team, but also includes other people, right? So, uh, that's worth thinking about. Yes, I, I I should note though that of course one of those alternate futures where that's what the mantis do is the thousand years of darkness. So yeah, no, right, it's not just a a the, the you know the writer generated one. Oh yeah, no. Uh, the reason I, I raise it simply is thousand years of darkness does it, but for there to be more than one data point, we have to include outside sources. Yeah, okay, that's all. So, I mean. It's always an issue, because when Shaitung managed to essentially karmic strike the Elemental Council, it was an issue, because people traditionally, I'd say correctly, say the Phoenix is supposed to be the clan that has magical dominance. If we had, you know, there were issues where the dragon did not like the Enlightenment arc, partially because it felt like the crane were horning in on a dragon theme. I suspect, and I don't think this is particularly controversial, having the Mantis not be the dominant naval power would have similar issues, which is not in and of itself any reason not to do it. It's just, again, I'm trying to identify the issues. I don't think that that's controversial, and I don't disagree with that, but I think that's one of the reasons why, to me, it's, I guess from my point of view, it's heading in the wrong direction in that it's already a problematic sort of thing because it's an entire field of combat, right? There are, yes. I mean, there are singular things like, okay, can somebody, can a particular Shugenja defeat a particular Isawa or an elemental master in a magical combat? Can a, a particular uh, duelist defeat a, a really high-level crane or really high-level dragon at that? But the, I mean, even the lion and the unicorn and the crab, the clans that are, especially especially the lion, where like part of their shtick is like we are the ultimate generals and army or stuff. They don't actually get to just, oh, we have an army that just always beats all the other armies, and in fact could defeat all your armies put together. Right? That would be ridiculous. It would blot out an entire section of combat, and yet that is is where you are with the the whole we're the best at having a navy is and it's much broader than the other teams yeah I, I, I... and it's not like that isn't even necessarily unrealistic on a long enough time frame i mean right in in the real world 
it wasn't just about boats. I mean, there were there were other stuff that went into it, but right, you know, the the British Navy is basically conquered the world yep. uh, from a little bitty island. So, but but also that doesn't necessarily make for a good story if you're trying to tell a story that's about something other than how awesome the, the British Navy is. Yeah. And, but but so like I said, it's it's clearly an issue, and clearly it would be problematic on many levels if all of a sudden they're like, oh, and oh, did we mention? that now the lion have a bigger navy than the mantis did. But it, it seems to, that every time the flavor description goes, it, it moves in the wrong direction. It goes from the mantis, at least, you know, what I'm calling the wrong direction. It goes from, oh, the mantis have the best navy, to the mantis have a better navy than everyone else put together, to, oh, not only did the mantis have a better navy than everyone else put together that was already somewhat more technologically advanced than everyone else's navy, but now, even more so. yeah. you're going to give them yeah, even bigger ships, even more ships, even more technology. The sort of offhand comment that the Mantis have a Shugenja on every single one of their thou- you know, ship that then resulted in some Mantis players arguing, oh, well, that means that really the Mantis are better at, have more Shugenja than the Phoenix do, because you know, Canon says we have uh, you know thousands and thousands of boats, and if every one of them has, you know, I, I don't yeah, know, yeah. so that's... I acknowledge, and I'm not suggesting that there should just be a uh, oh no, the mantis aren't that good at the navy anymore. It's it's just I, I don't know what, what maybe my, and maybe my perception's just out of whack as far as this you know how they've been portrayed or what direction it's been portrayed in going or I think you raise a legitimate point, and and part of it too is where where exactly is the narrative role of clan dominance in any field? Because I think, realistically, even without under... If it were real life, I could say, you know, graduates of this university tend to be much better at this subject than graduates of uh, university X or Y, but individual person is individual person, right? And most people can intuitively kind of get how, in real life, that's the case. In narrative space, it's harder to make that message. It, it, It actually is just more difficult and more challenging. But it's something I've been considering for years now in terms of to what extent do you defer to the fact that, for example, Crane and Dragon tend to have better duels. And I don't think, you know, I've had as much success as I would like in making sure that both messages of, yes, this clan tends to be better, and that doesn't mean individual X, Y, or Z can win this fight um, are simultaneously brought forward. Because it does come down to, you know, only so many fictions per year. And some fictions being more prominent in memory than others just being an issue, right? Like, for instance, when Kanaka outclassed Hachi, just, you know, in Hachi's own mind, Kanaka is so much better than I am, I have no chance of beating him. There was... On the one, like, I think players as a whole accepted that Kanaka was exceptional. But there were, uh, some voices, not many, but some, who, who felt that this was an unfair kind of, uh, marginalization of Crane's skills. That there is no way Kanaka should be able to defeat both Hachi and shortly Zara, um, shortly prior, I think, uh, Kakita Kaiten as well. And that's despite the fact that not, not only is, is Kanaka like, just one exceptional individual, but he's not clan-associated, so you don't yeah. have to deal with clan X beating clan Y. Yeah. He's one of the 
four slash five central figures of the around which the storyline for that entire arc revolves. Yeah. But and and I don't if I recall correctly, I was not actually a member of the team until shortly after those incidents had happened. But, you know, I, I'm saying the responses were not entirely illegitimate, and yet at the same time, if I if you can't have kind of couple something like that off, then you lose the ability to characterize them. So all I can really say is, yeah, I think you've got a point. Uh, I think it's something that I do try to keep track of, and I don't always succeed to what I consider, you know, where I'd like to have portrayals go. But on the one hand, there is a role for clans being portrayed as better, and on the other, you want to be certain that just because Crane tends to be better than Mantis at dueling, doesn't mean when a Crane duels with a Mantis that the Crane only loses if he or she throws the duel. But at the same time, you need to have those those traditional roles filled so that the default presumption is preserved. Yeah, it's just, it's a narrative challenge. It really is. And the Mantis uh, dominance at sea is one of those areas where I go back and forth on, you know, depending on the day and the individual fiction and where the players perceive the clans at any given time, I could go the other way. Yeah, I, 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 I do think you have a good point, though. I just, I, I don't have a concrete solution because I don't think it's the kind of problem that lends itself to a concrete solution. Other than, you know, being willing when necessary to say, nope, you lose this time because X, Y, or Z. And here's why broader world building reason um, that you're not going to win this one. Or, and that may be for an ongoing, you know, series, right? Like, if, if the Phoenix, for example, pulled out all the stops, would the Mantis Phoenix War have necessarily gone the same way? Probably not. But at the same time, would that mean the Phoenix would just win? Not necessarily either, right? There is uh, a quote from, I believe it's John, J. Michael Straczynski, a Babylon 5 writer, where he says, you know, star furies fly at the speed of the plot. And to some extent, uh, to some extent, capacity and capability of any individual clan or character does vary depending on where the story needs to go and where the positioning of the various factions needs to go. Okay. One other, like I said, there was one other specific thing from the questions that sure. uh, we'll do, and that was, in addition to the the general notion of whether or not people in and out of the story liked the Mantis, and I do think that, I, I think that many more people outside of the story like the Mantis than, than in the story. I don't think that they're a particularly disliked clan outside of the story, but also part of that, that question was about, in the RPG, the suggestion was that people dislike them and i i guess my personal experience is that i i don't find i i have not found that people particularly dislike the mantis in the rpg i think the most griped about thing in the rpg about the mantis would be that the Tsuruchi base school is really obnoxious because the system is not really set up particularly well to handle uh Range combat specialist. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess I suppose having done some 
Heroes of Rokugan stuff, I a person playing a Mantis character is more likely to be like an obnoxious drunk lecher of a character, which I usually don't I'm not particularly fond of, but it's <laughs> certainly not unique to the Mantis, and I have not noticed that to be a widespread thing that they're doing or a widespread thing that people are griping about. I'm just sitting here thinking about that having come up before on an isolated basis. But I, I don't know. Have you had any experience of people in an RPG context having a particular hate on for the Mantis? Um, I think there's always a certain amount of hate reserved for anything that's seen as broken or abusive. Uh, so, But I, again, I haven't observed myself uh, a particular RPG hate on for the Mantis. I've heard some stories, but as someone who's not a first-hand observer, it's always very difficult to assess. And I've heard stories about most clans, both as perpetrators. <laughs> so I, I don't feel like I have seen enough directed clan hate towards the Mantis to really feel like that's the case. I'm not saying it's not, it's just I haven't seen it which is, you know, very much a distinct thing. But I do find, oftentimes, Mantis characters and Mantis clan-wide are, are taking very adversarial positions. It's just, and, and I, I don't think that's unfair. It's part of the, the narrative role of the clan. The Mantis are, again, much more, well, this is what I want. What are you going to do about it? And that does tend to lead to more, you know, adversarial relationships because the clan itself is much more of an adversarial clan. So I, I'm not discounting whoever has raised this at all, but I would need very specific information to be able to, to, to address it. I do think, though, most clans at one point or another go through a phase where they happen to be the clan that's hated by the rest of the player base. It's something I actually am not as fond of because it kind of hurts the community feeling. I am okay with you or I or anyone else, you know, role-playing-wise, saying, well, right now our clans just aren't getting along, so, you know, character-wise, my character is not going to get along with your character. But there are times where players carry that, I think, a little too far. Um, and it, it's the downside of the passion the player base has for the setting and their individual factions. Is like the jeers and so on once in a while can be funny, but it, it can get old fast, right? And, and I'd much rather people generally be comfortable that playing whatever they like and enjoy and not being kind of attacked for it. So I, I don't like the really barbed kind of digs that sometimes go around, but that's not exclusive to Mantis being the victim by any means. Okay. Well, I can only think of one other thing within this subject to talk about, and it'd probably sure. be best that we don't go there. So, is there anything you wanted to do? No, I'm good. I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm doing these mostly to hopefully come up with stuff that your listeners and the players as a whole uh, are interested in hearing. So, Chris is going to say this again later, but I echo this. If you have topics you'd like us to discuss uh, to discuss on this, throw them out. Like we are more than happy to ramble on about them and if you don't come up with them it becomes the Chris and Fred show and that's a recipe for boredom and tears uh, Fred you, you understand that like my entire podcast is basically the Chris and somebody show right I know. 
I mean, I know, but when it's when it's me, just don't don't let me get carried away. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's okay. Well, we did. We uh, we did have somebody on the forums comment that Chris and Fred was was great strange assembly, which I could only conclude to mean that maybe Chris and other people is not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as it's entertaining and informative, like a lot of this, I think is much you know useful for players who are into the story but don't want to haven't kept up with every fiction, or are doing their RPG campaigns, or whatnot. And, yeah, as long as it's entertaining for people, and, and you know, time allows, I'm happy to keep going. Okay. Well, yes, yeah, so, uh, as Fred said, do let us know if there is uh, anything you would like to hear about on this, and you will get the little uh, ramble at the end about the various ways to get a hold of us but i am chris stevenson and for fred Wan, you have been listening to strange assembly you can visit us on the web at strangeassembly.com or subscribe to the podcast through itunes you can get a hold of me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or via facebook at facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on twitter We'd, uh, we would love to hear from you, but until then, never stop gaming.